In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Let's open our Bibles to John, the fourth chapter, if you would. John, the fourth chapter. Um, Billy Graham going home is a good thing. He is 99 years old. The doctor said he just wore, his body just wore out. But it's a blessing. And uh, how many of you like to have a piece of the reward action that he's getting up in heaven? I mean, yes or no? (laughs) I'd like a piece of that action. You know what I mean? Rewards are great. Hey, I want to talk to you today. And uh, I didn't know they were going to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus until after I prepared this message and Diane told me yesterday afternoon what what they were were going to sing that special. So I believe this is exactly what the Lord wants for us to talk about here today. We're titling this, Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You know, I sometimes hear people flippantly say, on television as I listen to the news or what what not they'll say about a certain person you know when someone sees the light on on a certain issue whatever that issue is they'll say well they had their come to Jesus moment and I propose that those who say that flippantly have never come to Jesus for themselves Uh, when you come to Jesus you won't speak flippantly of that moment of that time because it's a very holy thing well, they had their come to Jesus moment. Uh, you're, people that talk like that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? Because coming to Jesus is a holy, 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 wonderful thing. And I looked into the Word of God and I see several occasions as to why people came to Jesus. First of all, in John, the fourth chapter we see that someone came to Jesus to get saved. Now, this particular person, this was a Samaritan woman. She came to the well to draw water. She wasn't even really, you know, looking for Jesus at all, but she found him. And uh, notice in John 4, the fifth fifth verse, John chapter 4, verse 5, he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, or it was about noon. Sixth hour means about noon. And notice verse 7, a woman of Samaria came. Notice she came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have nothing, no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, talking about this natural water, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting 
life. And so she came to the well and she found Jesus and she got saved. So she came to Jesus and got saved. We see many people in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, coming to Jesus and getting saved. And when you come to Jesus, of course, that is the first and foremost thing that happens is you believe on him and get saved. And then in John, the seventh chapter, notice in verse 37, Jesus is speaking. Notice John seven thirty-seven on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him, notice, Come to me and drink. Now, in chapter 4, we talked about, or he talked about drinking water and getting everlasting life. Now he's saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Now notice verse 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers, notice rivers, of living water, not just a drink, if you will, but rivers of living water. And then in verse 39, the Bible tells us exactly what he was talking about. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, talking the Holy, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified, but yet he was talking about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Remember, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. That's salvation. But then, then he said uh, to the crowd, he said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me, mightier than I, whose shoes, straps I'm not worthy to unloose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost, remember, and with fire. So people came to Jesus to get saved, first and foremost. That's missing hell, making heaven. And then they also came to him. Uh, to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we don't see that in his earthly ministry, but after he was raised from the dead and glorified, seated at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. Remember that on the day of Pentecost? And and uh, on that day, he began baptizing people with the Holy Spirit. So people come to Jesus to get baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance and so on and so forth. Then we see a third reason or third uh, thing that people came to Jesus for in Matthew 4 and 24. Matthew 4 and 24. Notice this. Matthew 4 and 24. His fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him. Now notice they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. So people came to Jesus to get healed. And we see just multitudes of people as we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see multitudes of people coming to Jesus and get healed. And now in this instance here, they brought people to him and he healed them. But then we see many, 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 many times, multitudinous times where people came to him and were healed. And so people come to Jesus to get saved, first and foremost. They come to Jesus to get filled with the Holy Spirit. They come to Jesus to get healed of every kind of thing you can imagine. Notice here, uh, it said that people that, who were afflicted with various diseases and torments were healed. Demon-possessed people were, were set free. Epileptics were set free. Paralytics, he healed them. He opened blinded eyes. He, he unstopped deaf ears. You know, people who couldn't speak, they were, they were dumb, if you will. 
They, he, you know, he, was, he gave them their speech back, raised the dead. I mean, people came to him to be set free and delivered of all sorts of, of, of physical and mental malady. And then in uh, Matthew, the 11th chapter, we see another reason that people came to Jesus. Notice in Matthew 11, verse 28, he said, Come to me, notice, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And notice labor and heavy laden, and that's not just talking about about just the physical work of, you know, you've got a job and you work hard, you know, you just go home, go to bed, and you can rest from that, but get, get rest. But this labor and our heavy laden talks about uh, you get laden down with the affairs of life. Has anybody ever gotten labor, laden down with the affairs of life besides me? And uh, uh, labor, heavy laden, labor, heavy laden. Now, you know, perhaps you're here today and you've already come to Jesus and you've gotten saved. We praise God for that. Perhaps you've already come to Jesus and been baptized with the Holy Spirit. We praise God for that. Perhaps you don't have sickness in your body and you don't need healing. Well, we praise God for that. If you're here today and you have sickness in your body, you can come to Jesus and he'll heal you. But certainly, uh, though you may not fall in these first three groups today, I would uh, bear to say or dare to say without fear of contradiction that almost every one of us probably to some degree or another falls in this list right here. Being labored and heavy laden with the affairs of life. Labor and heavy laden with, with maybe it's a relationship that you're, that, that you're in or, or something of that sort that's not going right. Maybe it's a marriage that is, is, is not as it should be. Maybe it's something at work. That, that, that people, not so much the work of, you know, your daily work, but just dealing with people at work or just maybe they've laid so much on you that you just can't get it all done, you know. Um, many, many different things that this could be. All those who labor and are heavy laden uh, with the, the cares of, of, of this world and so on and so forth that just, that just get on you and, 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 and just bury it bears weight on you and wears you down. Has anybody ever been burdened down with labors and heavy laden with things besides me? I mean, I mean, I think all of us to, I know all of us in here at some time have, have experienced this, but notice you can come to Jesus no matter what it is, no matter what the, 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 the mental stress that you're under, the, uh, uh, the worry, the care, whatever. Notice you can come to him. He said, come to me, all you who what? Labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's a good deal, isn't it? Isn't that good? He'll give you rest. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I actually studied into that labor there a little bit. And one connotation of it has to do particularly with with people who serve in the ministry and they get they've been laboring in the word and they've been taking the care of the the people on uh, you know as as you pastor a church you don't just have your own personal life to deal with but you you uh have to deal with the 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 problems that that are in people's lives as a pastor you know you 
you, you can, uh, 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 you know, we need to care for the, the folk and we do that the best we can. But you can become, you know, as a pastor, and you may not realize this if you've never been a, a minister or a pastor, but you can not only have the cares of your own life that you have to deal with, but then, then you, you're dealing with the different people in your church and the things they're going through and you can co- become laden down and labored with that. But Jesus said that anybody who's laborer has labor or heavy laden can come to him and he'll give us what? He'll give us what? Rest. That's a good deal, isn't it? Then he says, 29, verse 20, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. Let's don't ever forget that about Jesus. He says, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You know... Uh, I like to preach about Jesus. And, 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 and you know, I've preached about, about Noah, and I've preached about Moses, and I've preached about Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joshua, and I've preached about the prophets of the Old Testament. I've preached about John the Baptist, Baptist Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul. I've preached, I've preached on all of them. But I tell you what, there's nothing like preaching on Jesus. And uh, I just, when I, when I get up here and the power of God comes on me, I begin to preach Jesus. And, and, and you, you've seen me in days gone by. And, it, you know, and, and we present him as, as a, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the, the fairest among 10,000 and the bright in the morning star. And, and, we, and we need to present him that way. And, and oftentimes I preach him the way, you know, Paul, or, uh, uh, John saw him on the Isle of Patmos when he turned around and saw Jesus, you know, and he fell at his feet as dead. And, and we need to preach Jesus that way because that, that's the way he is. But there's another side to him that, that sometimes I don't bring out as I should. And it's this side right here. I am gentle. He said that. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Let's just think about that for a minute. We're talking about Jesus. He's gentle and lowly in heart. Let's remember that about him. Can we do that? Let's remember that about him. He's very gentle. I know one time there's a a minister friend of mine. I was sitting in the car and I was talking to him about some things and 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 he was just so gracious and so kind and so so gentle and so understanding. And I was talking to him about some things, a, a minister friend of mine, and he was just just so so it was Tony Cook. I don't do anybody remember know who he is? Just just a wonderful man of God. And I was sitting, he and I had, had finished playing tennis and he was just and I was talking to him about some things and he was just so gracious and so gentle and so kind. And I just felt like I could tell him anything that I'd done wrong and he'd forgive me. And, and it was just such a blessing to me how gentle and kind he was. And afterwards, I got to thinking, as kind and as gentle and understanding as he was, isn't Jesus far much more than, as wonderful as Tony Cook is, isn't Jesus more wonderful than that? So if I can sit there and talk to somebody that's a human being and is so gentle, can't we 
find that in Jesus and then some? Certainly. I'm not demeaning Tony Cook. If he was here, he'd certainly agree that Jesus is more gentle. And Do you understand what I'm talking about? So, so if I've been lax on presenting Jesus this way, I apologize. I mean, he's, he's very gentle. Lowly in heart. You understand that? He's so gentle. He's so understanding. He's so kind. He's so full of grace. You understand that? I want to be sure I present that side of him to you. You go to him. He's not going to slap you in the head. You understand that? He's not going to beat you over the head with, with a stick. He's gentle. He's lowly in heart. Do you see in that side of him? There's many, God has many sides. I mean, how many of you, you've dealt with people and you've seen them angry and you've seen them gentle? Yes or no? God is a person. He does have that severity side, but oh, that the Bible says his anger is but for a moment, but his mercy, what? Endures forever. Sometimes as a preacher, I think I've maybe looked too much at that moment of his anger. Let's don't ever forget that his mercy, what? Endures forever. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. He's gentle and what? Lowly in heart. It means he's, he's humble. He said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will what? Find rest for your souls. Doesn't the 23rd Psalm talk about the Lord is my shepherd? I shall not want. Doesn't it say something over there about he restores my soul. See, we come to him when we're labored and heavy laden with whatever it might be. And come to him and he'll give you rest for your soul. See, he'll not just heal your physical body. See, he'll save your spirit. He'll save you. He'll fill you. He'll heal your body and he'll what? Restore your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. And then verse 30 here says, For my yoke is, is what? Is easy. He said, take that yoke upon you. A lot of times when you think of a yoke, you know, in the Bible, you know, it's, it's something that binds you, all right. But, but his yoke... He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle, lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Then he said, my yoke is what? I want to stress this. It's what? It's easy. And my burden is light. I'll come to him. If you're, like I said, in in this room here this morning, as far as I know, the majority of y'all are saved. 
So you don't need to come to him for that. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, come to him, he'll fill you. You need healing in your body, come to him, he'll heal you. But if you're labored down and heavy laden with cares and worries and anxieties, discouragement, maybe you're here today and you're just so discouraged. Maybe something has happened or maybe something hasn't happened, whatever the case, and you're so discouraged, brokenhearted, whatever, the, whatever. You come to Him. And he'll give you rest. Notice 1 Peter 5 verse 7 in the Amplified Bible hooks right on to this. You remember Jesus said to his disciples before he went to the cross, he said, I have many things yet to say to you, but I can't say them to you now because you're not able to understand them. How many remembers that? Well... So then, then he was raised from the dead and went to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and then he started giving epistles to Paul and Peter and John and Jude and James and so forth. And so we need to read the epistles to find out what else Jesus had to say to us. And so in 1 Peter 5, verse 7, I'm going to read this in the Amplified. He says, Casting the whole of your care See, casting, this is something you have to do. You come to him. And if you have care, notice, what does it say? Anxieties, worries. Notice all of your anxieties. Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns. I don't know if you're like me, you've got some anxieties or some worries, or concerns. I know we're not supposed to have those things, and I do my best to keep myself free of those things, but worry is something I've had to deal with all of my life. You see, I was raised in a home of worry. Good home, had a good home, great home. My mother, a wonderful mom. My dad died when I was seven years old, but my mom, this wonderful mom, you know, But it was a home of worry, 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 worry. So I learned to worry at an early age, and I've had to fight that all these years not to worry. You can ask my wife, she'll tell you. So when worry hits us or anxiety or concern, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to what? Cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on who? On On who? On Him, on Jesus, see? On Him, on Jesus. For He cares for you. We need to always remember that too. He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Something that we have to do. And then, of course... Something we all have to be watchful of also is that we cast our care on him and then, now whose care is it? It's our care, but we're supposed to cast it on him. But I've learned this, as quick as you can cast it on him, that's as quick as you can take it right back. If you've, has anybody ever been like me? You, you really do in, in, good, in good faith and everything. You cast your care on him. And then you walk, walk down the street and within minutes the devil starts running them thoughts back through your head or just 
just being human, you got them thoughts running through, and then you pick that care right back up. Has anybody ever done that besides me? And the thing you need to realize about care, it's your care, it's my care, so Jesus will give it right back to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but you need to cast it on him and leave it on him. You need to realize that the human being was not, God did not make us to carry care and anxiety. We're not built for that. That's why he said we need to cast it on him. Have you ever seen, uh, have you ever watched, probably the best illustration I've ever seen of this is you look at the presidents of the United States over the years. You go back to Abraham Lincoln and you look at him when he went into the office and you look at him, pictures that they took of him back then and you look at him several years later in like four years time, it looks like he's aged 30 years or more. Why is that? It, I'm, I'm not putting the man down. I'm just saying, you step into that office, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. Care comes on you. You understand? And then like Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War and the blood of all those soldiers, I mean, spiritually, it took a toll on the man. And not just him. You look at all the presidents. You, you ever notice how they age? Have you ever noticed that? Why is that, Pastor? It's that care that sits on them. You understand that? And, and maybe some of them haven't had the revelation of casting it on the Lord. I'm, I'm not picking on any of the presidents. I'm just, isn't that a good illustration to show you what care will do? See, we're not designed to carry it. Do you know, I'll just throw this in here for good measure. The human being is not, have, have you ever noticed a lot of these rock stars and whatnot? Have you ever noticed them uh, come to an ill-fated end? Yes or no? Now, there's several reasons, but, but one thing is, there's several reasons, this isn't the only reason, but one thing is, the human being was not made by God to receive worship and adoration. And I've watched this over the years, people, I don't care if they're rock stars, movie stars, preachers, I've watched it with preachers, I've watched it with a variety of people that when the people begin to, I'm not talking about appreciate, appreciating a minister or appreciating a rock star. I'm not talking about that. But you understand what I'm talking about? Begin to almost worship that person and set them so up high on a pedestal. Did you ever notice that that, that that person that they set up on a pedestal, if they're up there long enough and they receive that adoration long enough, it, it, it costs them somehow or another. Why is that? Because a human being is not designed to receive adoration and worship. That is for God. Do you understand that? Now again, there's nothing wrong with being appreciative of, of like a minister. Don't misunderstand me. But you know, you've seen it as well as I have. I've watched it over the many years. And some of the ministers, they, they have mass multitudes following them. No, not all of them. Billy Graham is a good example. He never let that get through to him and corrupt him. Can you say amen? amen. That's one reason I have such great respect for him. You ever notice there's no scandal in his ministry? Financial, sexual, no scandal. Isn't that wonderful? So, but we're not designed, the human being is not designed to receive worship. We're not designed to carry care. 
You understand that? That's why you have to, you have to cast it on the Lord and leave it with Him or it'll cost you. It, it really will. It'll cost all of us. So why do we come to Jesus to get saved? We come to Him to get filled with the Spirit. We come to Him to get healed. We come to Him to be free of our burdens and our cares. And when we come to him, see, then what we get in the New Testament, we come to him, but then we cast those cares on him. Isn't it interesting? Does anybody remember Mary and Martha, those sisters? And their brother, brother's name was Lazarus, remember? And, and, and Mary was like a, a workaholic, wasn't she? Was it, did I have it right? Was it Mary? No, it was Martha. I'll get it right. They both start with M. Who was a workaholic? It was Martha. And remember, she came to Jesus and we got to do this, got to do that. How many of you know stuff has to be done? It, it really does. But Martha, got to do this, got to do that. Gotta, don't you care? My... No, he didn't care about that. He, what did he say? He, what did he, how did he direct Martha? He directed her to the, to the word of God, didn't he? Now, all those things that Martha wanted to do, we don't want to run her down. She, those things needed to be done. But can you see that she put the cares above the word? Do you see that? And he had to correct her on that. All right, why else do we come to Jesus? Just a couple more of these. Go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, 14th verse. Hebrews 4, 14, seeing then that we have a, uh, have a high priest, this is talking about Jesus. We have a high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, there it tells us, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore... Now you see verse 16 usually gets, gets read or quoted out of context. You need to put verse 16 in context with verse 14 and 15. Notice before I read verse 16, let's go back to verse 15 again. He was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Then it says, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. So let us come. See, we're talking about coming to Jesus. Well, he's sitting on the throne of grace, isn't he? At the right hand of the heavenly father. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, yes, in time of need, that anytime you have a need, you'd want to go there, all right. But particularly in the context here, he's talking about when you're being tempted. Has anybody in here ever been tempted to sin besides me? Since you've been saved. (laughs) Well, when you're tempted to sin, before you sin, go boldly to the throne of grace and talk to Jesus about the thing. And you'll obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus has faced every possible temptation that could ever be faced. The Bible says, we just read it, he was in all points tempted as we are. And actually the temptations that he went through were not only as difficult as what we face, but far more intense. And he was victorious 
and never yielded to temptation. And so when we are tempted to sin, and we all are, before you sin, run to him and talk to him about it. Lord, I'm being tempted to gossip. Lord, I'm being tempted to lie. Lord, I'm being tempted to steal. Lord, I'm, be, Lord, I'm being tempted to be covetous. Being tempted to talk bad about somebody. I'm being tempted to take a second look at that woman. I'm being tempted to take a second look at that man. I'm being tempted to look at that computer and things I shouldn't be looking at or the television or whatever the case. Go to him and talk to him about those things before you sin. And he'll not beat you up over it. But you'll find mercy and you'll find grace there to help you in that time of need. Isn't that wonderful? A lot of times folks don't realize that uh, you run to Jesus when you're being tempted. Run to him as fast as you could go. And talk to him about it before, before, the, before you sin. Now somebody said, well, pastor... I sinned, I missed it. Well, I've got good news for you. I mean, you shouldn't have done it, but go to 1 John 2, verse 1. 1 John 2, verse 1. We're talking about reasons we come to Jesus. We come to him to get saved, to get filled with the Spirit, to get healed, to find rest for our souls, to resist temptation. But what if you gave in to temptation? What if you sinned? What if you did? Well, 1 John 2, verse 1, the apostle John writes and he says, the Holy Spirit's writing through him to us. And he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. In other words, don't do it. And if anyone sin, but, but if anyone does sin, he says, I'm writing this to you so that you don't. But if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation. Now that word is, is a big word. It just means payment. Whenever you see the word propitiation, just you put payment. There's a lot of different things we could say about it, but simply put, he is the payment for our sins. Isn't that good news? And not only for ours, but all, but, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So I'm writing this to you that you don't sin, but if you do, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation or the payment for our sins. That's good news, isn't it? And then just go up to, to chapter 1 here, 1 John 1 verse 9. So if we do sin, we go to him. I like what one preacher said. It's so good. He said, don't run from Jesus when you sin, run to him. I like that. Don't run from Jesus when you sin, run to him. If And you run to him. And notice verse Chapter 1, verse 9 here. If we what? Confess our sins. And, and the implication there is we go to him with a repentant heart and confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from, did it say all or some? All unrighteousness. 
that's good news, isn't it? And then finally, I want to leave you with this, this scripture, John six thirty seven. Jesus says this, all that the Father gives me will do what? Will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, we're just talking about coming to Jesus, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. That's good news, isn't it? So you come to him, he won't turn you away. He won't turn you away. He'll by no means cast you out. So I want you to get this. We come to Jesus for what? To get saved. We come to Jesus to get filled with the Holy Spirit. That means, you see, we come to Jesus to get born of the Spirit. That's the heaven-hell issue there. Once you've done that, then you come to Him to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You come to Him to get healed. You come to Him to get rest for your souls. You come to Him to resist temptation. And if you do sin, you come to Him and confess your sins and He'll forgive you. And you don't ever have to be concerned that He'll cast you out. Stand with me if you would. I don't need the altar workers today, but you can play that music. And uh, because we're going to close a little bit different today. And they can dim the lights down just a bit. Just going to close a little bit differently today. You can bow your heads if you would. Normally, Normally we have the altar workers.